Recently, my um, daughter and I set up the Nintendo Wii in our home. And I haven't set that thing up for years. It's been a while. and um, But we pulled it out and began to play it. And one of the games we began to play was a game that was all about basketball. It was about sh it was a three-point competition. So as I reach down with this remote towards my waist, I then lift up and I shoot it above my head. So I'm doing this shooting motion of a basketball this entire time during this three-point competition. And what I realized very quickly is that you have to have a flow. You have to have a flow in order to do good in this three-point competition game. And that's exactly uh, what I've been trying to do as we compete against one another is to kind of get into the flow. You know, Scripture oftentimes is like this. There's a flow that is happening. Even though the Bible was written in different time periods by different authors, it's one story that flows. Mark is a fast-flow person when reading his gospel. It flows but things can change very fast, and there's a sense of immediacy in Mark's gospel. It's also the shortest of the four gospels. So let's look at the flow that Mark uses in describing the crucifixion of Jesus, because there are, sev there are several things that are happening in this scripture this morning. The first thing is that Simon is forced to carry the cross. Now, why would Simon from Cyrene, which is, by the way, North Africa, uh, now what we would call Libya, uh, where he was from, why would he carry Jesus' cross? He was probably a Jew visiting from uh, the c visiting the city during the Passover celebration. And it was common for those who were condemned to die by crucifixion to carry a piece of the cross on which they would be nailed. And at this point, Jesus is bleeding and has been beaten considerably. Carrying the cross proved to be too much for him. So Simon from Cyrene was forced to carry the cross for Jesus. Imagine what it must have been like to be Simon and to carry the cross for Jesus as he followed. Did Simon understand what was going on? Did he know who he was? Had he heard about this, the ministry of healing? Simon did something for Jesus that Jesus couldn't in that moment. The humanness of Jesus was beaten and worn down. The second thing that happens in the midst of this flow that Mark is telling us is that Jesus brought is brought to Golgotha to be crucified. Jesus is brought to this place called Golgotha. This is the site of the crucifixion, and there have been many other deaths there, which is why it's called the place of the skull. Golgotha is a modified transliteration of the Aramaic word for skull, and in English we call it something else. We call it Calvary. Calva is the Latin word for skull. And when they got there, Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. This drink probably was offered to Jesus by someone, Mark doesn't really say who, in hopes that it would deaden his pain. But Jesus chooses to face the full force of agony of being crucified. Mark doesn't go into detail around the crucifixion. Being crucified was meant to maximize pain. It, it, it caused a long and painful death, and it was meant to humiliate you. It was also a sign that you don't mess with Rome. It was execution by torture. We talk about the cross now much more easily. In the first century, it wouldn't have been like that. But nonetheless, Mark just simply states, and they crucified him. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have been able to walk up to the one that she birthed on that first Christmas, and she would have been able to touch him. She, she could have even heard him breathing. She could have heard him in pain. You know, crosses were only about 10 feet in the air. Think about the height of a regulation basketball rim. Jesus was a lot closer to the ground than we sometimes imagine. The written charge against him read, The King of the Jews. The Gospel of John confirms that this sign was fastened to the cross, and Matthew tells us that it was above his head. So Jesus now hangs on the cross and is getting very close to death. And as Jesus is nailed to the cross, we stop and think about all the pain and the torture Jesus is enduring in this moment. He is now on the cross and getting closer to his death. Mark flows right into another part of this story, and it deals with the religious teachers. And that's what we talk about next, the next flow. Religious teachers begin to mock Jesus on the cross. But before that happens, there are two rebels that are with him. One is on the right side of Jesus, and the other is on the left side of Jesus. Mark, again, doesn't go into too much detail about, like, like the other Gospels do, but they were probably criminals because they were insurrectionists like Barabbas who tried to violently take down Rome and start something. But not only that, but the mocking of Jesus continues as well. As Jesus is in pain and dying on the cross, people are passing by and hurling insults at him and at Jesus. And they're saying things like this. Come down and save yourself. The chief priests and the teachers of the law are saying basically, ha, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Come down from that cross so that we may believe. This certainly was a temptation for Jesus, but he doesn't give in to it. Just like when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't give in to that either. Jesus, being fully God and fully human, could have proved himself to the religious teachers, but instead he allowed them to think that they were right, and he endured the pain and the death on the cross. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those pictures that can give you different vantage points. For example, I remember in school one day seeing a picture, uh, and the first thing I saw was a young woman in like a Victorian uh, uh, outfit from the shoulder up, and she was kind of looking off to the side. Well, if you look at that picture in a different way, you also see an older woman, not a young woman. You see an older woman not looking off to the left, but looking off to the right. And part of the hat was the old woman's hair and so, so on and so forth. But the point in it is that depending on how you look at the picture and who you are might determine what you see first. Do you see a young woman or an old woman? Depending on who you are, your, perspective, your perspectives might be a little different. And when we look at the cross, we may see things a little differently depending on who we are. The chief priests and the religious t leaders saw a man who wanted to be executed, who they wanted to be executed. The soldiers saw yet another person that Rome was taking out. One criminal looks at Jesus on the cross and hurls abuse at him. And the other criminal sees Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw her beautiful son, the one that she gave birth to, the one that she raised. There's a cardinal in the Roman Catholic Church named Jean-Marie Lustinger. And there's a story that he shares one time about a young Jewish boy. Um, he was about 10 years old. 
I, I think, if I can remember that correctly. And him, him and some buddies thought it would be funny one day to go into a Roman Catholic church and um, make up some really bad sins and confess them to the priest of the church. Now, uh, this young boy as a Jew thought it would be pretty hilarious. So he goes into the confessional and he starts confessing all these crazy sins to the priest. Well, the priest very quickly catches on and realizes that he's being set up as a practical joke. So what he does is he comes out and he tells the boy, he says, I want you to go to the front of the church and I want you to look at that picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. And I want you to look at it and three times I want you to say, Jesus... I know you died for me, but I don't give a bleep. Jesus, I know you died for me, but I don't give a bleep. And he kind of laughs and, and thinks to himself, that's going to be very easy to do. So the little Jewish boy goes up to the picture. He looks at Jesus hanging on the cross, and three times he says, Jesus, I know you died for me, and I don't give a bleep. Jesus, I know you died for me, but I don't give a bleep. And the third time he says, Jesus, I know you died for me, but I. And he couldn't finish the statement. And a year later, he was baptized. And soon, soon after, he joined the priesthood and, and became a Roman Catholic priest. And one day, he became a cardinal. And G. Marie Lustinger, in his sermon, said, that little Jewish boy was me. What is it that you see when you gaze upon the cross today? Maybe you see the love, love of God for the world. Maybe you see the love of God for you personally. Maybe you see an innocent man who died at the hands of people's evil works. Maybe you see hope. Maybe you feel sadness like Mary would have felt. Gaze upon the cross this week. Gaze upon a picture of the cross with Jesus on it. What is it that speaks to you? And whatever it is that you see as you gaze upon the cross of Jesus Christ, may you realize God's love for you. Amen.